Hey, this is Eastlake BBA, and this is our podcast. We want to thank you for joining us today. We hope this inspires you. We hope this builds your faith. Enjoy the message. My name is Michelle. I'm an addict and alcoholic. Hey, Michelle. And I've recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. I love microphones, so I'm like, what's up, everybody? I'm going to do a beatbox here in a minute. Um, yeah, so I was like, you know, thinking what the topic should be. I was hoping someone would pick it for me, but that didn't happen. And then um, I was like, oh, man, I'm going to make the topic God. That's going to be cool, you know? And, you know, and then so I've just been, like, thinking and, um, you know, just about, like, all the miracles that have happened in my life since since getting sober and working, working this program through Big Book Awakening by taking the statements in the Big Book and turning them into questions for the last, like, what, five and a half? five and a half years um and then I was thinking you know how like you know it's like God speaks through me you know because you're speaking out of me and God speaks through me and I was like no bro this one's for God you know what I'm saying so I'm not asking God to speak through me this is really just a uh my share is going to be all about well this is this is for God, right? So I'm asking God to speak through me. I'm letting you know what God has done in my life. And that's worked a freaking miracle, you know? Um, and also there's a line in the big book so I can tie it in, okay? Um, <laughs> and Bill's story, when Eddie's there talking to him, he said, you know, here stands a miracle before me and he's shouting great tidings. And I also figured that a lot of the people in this room has probably done the, the work before, so I didn't want to like preach to the choir or whatever it is. Anyway, so, um, yeah, my name is Michelle. I'm an alcoholic and an addict. Um, so I was a heroin addict for a really long time, and then I would try to quit doing heroin, so I would just drink. And, um, you know, eventually I would be doing heroin again, and I'd be like, I can't do this. So I would quit doing heroin, and I would just drink, always leading me back to heroin, you know. So it's like in the big book, it talks about us having an allergy to alcohol. Um, that when we put alcohol in our body, we have an allergic reaction that's a phenomenon of craving for more. But for me, that allergic reaction is horrendous. So I got to a point to where I was like, dude, like I can't quit heroin. And like whenever I drink, I end up doing, I can't tell you how many years I did that without learning that lesson. That's what my sponsor says, alcoholics, you never learn a lesson. You know, it's like burning your hat, your hand on the hot stove. What if I do like this, what if I do like that? And then finally you're just like, fuck it. <laughs> this is my life. Um, and so then I, um, and then I went to, I went to treatment, you know, I was just like, that's it. I can't, I can't drink and I can't do heroin anymore. And then this guy who was working there, he was uh, the counselor and he was like, all right, you guys, what's your discharge plan? And I know you have two. And I was like, I do have two. One, leave here, go to AA. The other one was meth you know because maybe that i could control so i you know i i probably stayed sober for like maybe 30 or 60 days after leaving and then i started a meth habit and then you know uh, it turns out i couldn't control that either you know because i had to do these ua tests i well hey by every form of experimentation i'll try to prove myself an exception to the rule and um and I couldn't, I tried to do the timing, you know what I mean? All right, I got to stop at this day in order to test on that day, blah, blah, blah. And, um, and then I was like, damn, I'm allergic to this too, because I, I couldn't stop doing it. You know, it's like when you're, when you're in the big book and you're like a newcomer, you know? So then you're like, welcome to the meeting, here's the big book. And then you stay sober long enough to get through the doctor's opinion. <laughs> so that's why it's so awesome that they put the allergy stuff in the doctor's opinion, because that's what really like, that's how I knew when I was in uh, my meth addiction that, you know, that I had that problem there too. I had the ism in my addiction, right? That's my sponsor says, the ism is in your mind, you know? So it's like the, the, the addictions, it's the ism. I, try, I work at a treatment center now, so I always try to say that to the clients because we take them to a lot of AA meetings and they're like, what is it? And I'm like, the ism is in your mind. Um, yeah, so that said, like I moved into sober living and I was, I was like, I want to get sober for real. And I was like going to all these meetings like every day, sometimes two times a day. Like I really enjoyed being a member, you know, and like 
I, I loved AA. AA's cool. You know, it's like you get all these friends and stuff. It's great. And even when I was like loving AA, going to meetings all the time, and working the steps, like I still relapse. Like twice while I was in sober living. I just got a car too, so it was like super whack. You know, I was just like watching myself being like, dude, what are you doing? No. And that's when I was like, dude, I got to do something different, you know? And so I've been coming to these big book awakening meetings for a while. I don't know why. I was just kept coming. Because if I was really listening to what you guys were saying, you know, about God and stuff, I probably would have left the room. But, you know, when you're new, you, you kind of don't hear things. Well, it's like, so anyway, so I started doing, um, I started doing Big Book Awakening. And, you know, so my life before Big Book Awakening, for like maybe 16 years before that, you know, was, um, yeah, I got arrested. You know, um, I was like homeless. I felt like shit. I wanted to die all the time. I tried to kill myself. I, could, I couldn't make a living, period. I was on social security disability. Uh, the federal, go federal government had deemed me gravely disabled. And um, I've been off and on the methadone program. And I was just, you know, generally hopeless, depressed, miserable. Um, life wasn't too good. And then through working this program in the Big Book Waking, you know, like, I didn't want God to be the solution for sure because um, I don't know if like all gay people can say this, but like me and a lot of gay people I know, it's really hard to get sober in Alcoholics Anonymous when you come into the room and you see God on the wall, right? Because you're just thinking to yourself, oh, these people probably think it's sin to be gay and that I'm going to go to hell and like all these homophobia and like Christianity, that's what this is, you know, not realizing that it's a spiritual program. That's just going to be my prejudice coming into the room as, as a gay person, you know. So um, Mike and I, I don't know if you guys know, Mike Hicks and I, we're, we always talk about each other in our shares just because, you know, we did this uh, Big Book Awakening workshop together. And both of us were like the same. We were just like, oh, hell no. You know, you talk to us about God. It's like we're getting in a fight now. And I'm like, oh, do you think it's a sin to be gay? Like I'm just like getting in people's faces. And, you know, so we got to a point in the workshop where um, – you know, you have to make this decision. Either God is everything or God is nothing. You know, that, like, am, am I going to come to believe that this power greater than myself is going to restore me to sanity? Oh, my gosh. I was like, no way. We were like, no, there must be another way. You know, but there wasn't another way. But this is what's cool about Big Book Awakening is by taking statements and, and turning them into questions and doing this first step that lasted nine weeks. <laughs> um, I saw what it really meant to be powerless. You know, so it's not just that I put alcohol or drugs in my body and I break out with a phenomenon of craving for more, but I have this mind that continues to take me back to drinking and using, despite knowing what the consequences are going to be. And actually, I have no choice at all. You know, it's that perfect day, not a you know, and I just I keep doing it over and over and over again to the point to where I'm just watching myself, you know, and um, and it, it's it's just insane. So that's the insanity I need to be restored from. And, and it goes into talking about the spiritual malady that we suffer from, spiritual malady being a spiritual sickness, that when I'm sober, usually around like 30 days to 60 days, I start to maybe have some trouble in my personal relationships. I can't control my emotional nature. I'm afraid of misery and depression. I'm like getting kind of irritated with people, feeling kind of restless, feeling like a victim, right? Feeling like life isn't treating me right, you know? And overall just like not feeling good and, and I found that that was totally true for me all those things that I was reading out of the big book and I just saw that like on my own power I was totally screwed and there's nothing I can do about it and that I better come to believe in this power greater than myself otherwise I was totally screwed and nothing was ever going to change and I was sick and tired of feeling the way that I was feeling it wasn't good and so I was like fuck dude excuse me for cousin so I said, let's do this thing. You know, it was, it was the considerations, the bedevilment considerations. I, I think most of you know what I'm talking about. Does anybody not know what I'm talking about? Is anybody here not worked steps in Big Book Waking? Okay, cool. We go through these considerations about this spirituality and spirit, spiritual sickness, you know, like, it, 
if God is nothing, how am I going to be in my personal relationships? Like, how's that been going? But if God is everything, how could that be? You know, and as I'm going through these considerations about misery and depression and my relationships and my life, I'm just realizing that just like living the way, the life, the way, living life the way that I was living was never going to change. But imagining, because their meditation is imagining that if God was real, like what my life could look like and what I could feel like, sounded pretty awesome. So that's why I made this decision. I was like, all right, bro, I'll turn my will and my life over to the care of God as I understood God. And I worked this inventory. I'm gonna try to fast forward. So I worked this inventory and things started changing in my life. Like I, I started getting, like I got, a, I got a job. Which for someone like me is a real big deal because I was like, I'm gonna try to get a job and I tried to get a job at Target and then I filled the background check and then a month later I got a letter from them that was like, if we hired you, you're fired because you felt the background check. And I was like, I was like, I will never amount to anything. This is my life. I'm always going to be like this. You know, I couldn't get hired anywhere. And then I got hired at this treatment center to like drive appointments. And I was like, financial amends. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to save up my money and make all these financial amends. And like my parents have this, have this condo in Mission Valley. And they're like, you can move in there. And so I was like, cool, all I'm doing is working my program. And they're like, yeah, you, you can move in there. Yeah, you can just pay like 350 a month for rent. There's just like maybe a couple swimming pools over there that you can go swim in. And it was fucking crazy. And so I was like, all right, I'm saving all this money for financial amends. And, and it made me so happy um, doing that. I'd be like, <laughs> like I, I really felt excited about it. And as I started like making those amends, I started getting raises, I started getting like more hours, raises, another raise, another raise on top of that, like promoted and, and all these things. And all I'm doing is, is going out and making amends. And now it's like, I have, a, I have a roof over my head. Well, okay. I have a roof over my head. I'm having relationships with my family members who that were super strange. I mean, my brother is still an asshole, but <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> uh, but our relationship is the best that it's ever been. And I think that what's more than like all those like exterior things, like the ability to buy shoes whenever I want, which, you know what, that might sound superficial to you guys, but I couldn't fucking afford shoes. My mommy had to buy me shoes in my 30s, in my late 30s. And so now, uh, now and then I was like, wow, I can afford whatever shoes I want. I remember going to a restaurant and for the first time in like such a long time being like, I can order whatever I want from this menu. I don't gotta order the fucking sides. That meant something to me. But it's not just that, you know, it's like I was diagnosed with co-occurring disorders, you know, and they're like, you're bipolar, you know, and I'm in and out of the psych ward in my 20s and 30s. And it's like a lot of those symptoms just started leading me. I'm not saying I'm not bipolar anymore. I'm just saying like I started to become stable. Like I was stable, I was stable in my mental health. So I take maybe like a fourth of the amount of medications that I used to take. Like I don't think about killing myself all the time. You know, I, I, I don't lay in, lay in bed all day just being like I'm so thirsty and looking at a glass of water wishing I could drink it. Do you know what I mean? Like I like, I'm, I like feel good, like I feel happy, like I feel free and I never thought that I would feel any of those things like I you know I, I, I told my mom once I was like mom I'm like I made it out I was like mom I'm, I was like in the valley of the shadow of death and she's like yeah and you had like concrete shoes on you know like like I was so stuck in there And so I don't know if there's a way that I could fully articulate to you 
what God has done for me in my life, in my heart. There's just no way I can articulate it. And it's nothing less than a miracle and a testament to the truth that God is in my life. I could not do any of this on my own. There's no fucking way. Like, you're telling me that someone who's been to the psych ward treatment like 14 times can all of a sudden be like, hey, now I got my shit together. (laughs) It's not not like that. I'm telling you 100% that God has changed my life. And it's the result of doing this step work. 100%. Right? There's a part of the big book that says like, The reason that we write inventory is to face and be rid of the things in ourselves which are blocking us from power, from God, from freedom, from truth. I mean, like, the way that I see the world is different. I have new eyes. <laughs> it's, it's crazy. And so I'm telling you, like, the only... the the way that I got access to this is through working the steps. And then I work the steps, and then I work the steps again. And I sponsor, 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 sponsor. Usually three. Right now I have two. But I gotta focus on meetings right now. I just, my, my best friend, and girlfriend, she, she passed away three months ago. And I was really devastated by that. I was pretty upset. I was pretty upset with God. I was like, really? I, I was like, this makes no sense to me. Because since I've gotten sober and started working this program, I'm telling you, God has gone before me and made the crooked places straight. It made no sense to me that this had happened in here. But here I am now, like, three months later. And I'm, and I'm, and I'm, you know what I I said to God at the time? I was like, I was like, you better have me. You better have my fucking back right now. After all the shit I did for you. I mean, like, I was kind of selfish about it. But I was like, man, I've been doing ministry for five years you know like what is going on you better have me you better have me because I'm not putting my 100 in right now you know I still continue with sponsoring people and going to meetings but I'm finally like getting back into my groove you know I'm getting back into my prayers and practices and stuff I took a little break um to feel sorry for myself but I think it's justified So I'm back to listening to Upper Room. Have you guys ever listened to Upper Room? Yeah. No? Okay, it's this worship band. Like, you know, like people are Christians and they worship music. And their whole thing is like ministering to the heart of the Lord. So listen, you would not have caught me saying this shit like five or six years ago. 100%. If I was sitting in the crowd, I'd be like, traitor! (laughs) Um... But, like, the lyrics are so good and so powerful. I'm just going to tell you a couple of them. It's like, I want to know you. Let your spirit overwhelm me. Let your presence overtake my heart. You know, like, singing, like, I just love listening to it and just getting it stuck in my head. Holy Spirit, come rest on us. You're all we want. It's, it's good. It's powerful. I know. You're like, was it Caleb? Was it? My, yeah. K- my Caleb dude over here with the, with the hat. Um, and so, yeah, five so minutes. five minutes. Oh, okay, I thought I was wrapping up. Well, so the reason why I also, okay, so I wanted to bring this topic to the table. One, as an expression of my gratitude to God for what he's done in my life by sharing this message with you guys. And two, I thought it would be pretty rad to hear some of the testimonies of some of the people who come to this meeting, if they could talk about what God has done in their life. Like something as simple as like, okay, in the beginning, I was right. In the beginning, I was like, I don't know. And I had this sponsor that was like, 
why don't you just get a journal and just like write some prayers down? Because I never prayed. You know, my dad was dying. I put a little post on Facebook, please pray for my dad. Did I pray? No, but I asked you to because I figured that you were a believer. Maybe you could do it, you know. Um, and so I started doing these prayers and like here's one as I, as I was, God, God, please help me my mornings because I had really difficult mornings. Like I would wake up and be like, oh, you know, put me back in. Like I don't want to get up. For years, it was really difficult, and like I talked to therapists about it for years. You know, like what could I do? How can I? How can I make this easier for me in the mornings? And then at that time, I was living in sober living on top bunk. You know, so then I was like, How am I gonna get down from here? I don't know what I'm gonna do. Lay up here all day. And then they were like, You can't stay in your bed past nine. I was like, Oh my god, how am I gonna do this? So I was like praying for my mornings and like. Within a month or two, I was like, hello, everybody. Like, how's it going? Good morning. Are we having coffee? Like, that's that's weird. You know, for years, I know it probably sounds stupid to you guys, but it meant something to me. And then I had to help my aunt move. And there was, like, she had so much stuff. And I was like, I don't know how the fuck we're going to do this. It's, like, me and my cousin and my aunt was, like, disabled, basically. Like, how are, how are we going to move this entire apartment full of stuff? And I was like, God, please send help. I don't know how we're going to do this. And that day, like, six people showed up with, like, three trucks. Like, people, like, we don't even know. You know what I mean? It was like a friend. It was crazy. It was, like, all last minute. So that might, you know what I mean? I just feel like there was these little things that I took as, like, it almost gave me, like, what is it called? Little, little seeds of faith. Right? I was just like, you know, and people say that faith is the result of results. I'm going to quote Josie. I think he's the one who says that. Faith is the result of results. And I just really feel like, uh, I just feel like blessed and highly favored in my life. I, I, I feel like I'm special for what God has done for me. I'm just like, whoa, for me, dude? Wow. That was for me. Um, so that said... Um, I really would love to hear um, some of y'all's stories or testimonies about the miracles that um, God has brought into your life as a result of the work in this program. Thank you. Thank you, Michelle. Uh, Pat, alcoholic, crystal meth addict. Hey, Pat. Thank you, Michelle. Uh, that was so awesome. You are a miracle. I mean, uh, I remember when you came in. Um, I don't know. I, I remember seeing you and seeing how pissed off you were. <laughs> and uh, I thought it would be so cool if she got it. It'd be so cool if she got this. You know, I remember thinking that. Um, I don't remember if I, I remember talking to you a couple of times, but you seemed pretty um, pissed off. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, uh, I was reading this book recently um, by Desmond Tutu. He's the Archbishop of South Africa, uh, I guess. He, um, anyway, um, he talks about how God, uh, God does for us, we don't even deserve it. I mean, but that's, that's the whole point is nobody deserves it. <laughs> um, and I remember uh, when you talked, when I got sober, I, I didn't come to Big Book Awakening first, but I, uh, I had been in and out of the rooms of AA since I was 15 years old. And now I'm, I got sober at 35. So it was 20 years of me trying to, because I didn't believe I had the, the, the disease. I, I, I was a hopeless meth addict at, at 14 years old, daily user, couldn't, couldn't function without it. I had to steal, I had to, uh, I went to school, I went, uh, I, um, but I had to, I had to use meth in between classes, and uh, um, I stole money, but then I, then I got a job, and I worked, and I financed my drug habit, you know, from a young age, and then got sober, and relapsed, and I thought it was going to be different when I relapsed, because I'm just, oh, I'm just not going to do meth 
you know, I'm just going to stop when, when I've been up for too long, you know, and, and let the body rest and then I'll be okay. You know, and I did that for 20 fucking years. You know, I mean, you don't, that's not sober. That's not, uh, using meth like a gentleman, <laughs> you know, um, and I also tried to drink instead and use other pills or whatever, uh, opiates and stimulants. And I always thought this is going to be better because at least I'm not doing that. But then I always went and backed and did that anyway, whatever it might be, you know, whether it's alcohol or meth or, or pills, it, there was always that whatever substance. Oh, that's a problem. I really should stop doing that. And then I had to do something else. And I remember my mom said to me one time, what, what's wrong with you? <laughs> like she didn't understand that she didn't believe I was an alcoholic either. Um, and, I, and now 15 years sober, I, I, do, I forget what it was like, but I, um, so it's good to hear that. And I'm a miracle too. I mean, I'm, uh, I'm recovered, you know, from this hopeless state of mind and body, like it says. I ran into an old friend called me a couple months ago and we we used together i knew him from high school and uh and you know he's he never got sober you know he he might have had some sober periods like i did but uh now he 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 depends on his mom <laughs> you mentioned uh, depending on your mom and uh no he was going to let me use his storage unit for free i was like oh wow i i, I got to move out of this house that I could probably use that right now. I need I need to store all this crap, <laughs> and uh, and then I didn't realize that you know his his mom was paying for it, and uh, so and I just realized that this is a bad idea. He's not you know he's not sober. He's not reliable. I can't count on him to uh, uh, like I'm I'm going to go try to get into my storage, and I'm not going to be able to get in because the bill is not paid. And it's not me paying the bill. It's not even him paying the bill. It's his mom paying the bill. I mean, it's just, it's crazy. So to even, it's just not, not. And so that's what I was like. I was that guy who you couldn't depend on. You couldn't trust to be reliable. Um, I kept losing jobs. I lost my family. I lost everything. Um, I got fired for lying on my job application and then doing a background check and finding out about it. Um, that's, you know, that's what I was like. So, uh, um, and you know, we get, I remember thinking when I got sober that, uh, and I gotta say it wasn't Big Book Awakening. I didn't find Big Book Awakening until like a year after I got sober, but it was just the right time because I don't want to bad mouth AA because uh, AA is good. I mean, there were people in the rooms that were, that were talking about this work, but I, I didn't want to hear it. You know, I didn't, I thought they were, you know, big book thumpers. They're taking this shit a little too seriously. You know, this is, this is supposed to be fun. We're all having fun. What's wrong with you guys? That doesn't sound like fun. Um, but they were there, you know, and if I wanted it, I could have gone there, but I found big book awakening and I, and that saved me at, at a time when I needed, uh, I needed to go deeper into the work and, uh, um, because I was still very selfish and dishonest and codependent, and I used people, especially women, um, you know, very, you know, very unhealthy, very sick, you know, sober physically, but doing all that shit, um, it's not emotionally sober, and it's and it's extremely selfish. But I remember even before all that, when I I came in, I I surrendered to the program. I said, okay, maybe those guys were right. The people who had been telling me my whole life that that this is a problem, you know, that I have a, I have a problem. Even my mom said, what's wrong with you? My wife says, you're an alcoholic. I didn't, I didn't believe it. If I talked to my friends, they'd say, oh, you're not an alcoholic. <laughs> um, but I, I, you know, deep down in my heart, I knew that I was, and then I was, and once I, I could, uh, I could get to that place, you know. Um, there's that part in the book where, you know, it says, if you ask him why he went on that last bender, he will give you any one of a hundred alibis, but deep down in his heart, he doesn't know why he did it, right? And, that, and that's where I was at, you know, when my mom said, what's wrong with you? I honestly did not know. I mean, I, I just said, I don't know. I really didn't. 
I would never admit that for, you know, unless I was in a, a really vulnerable, uh, pitiful, de uh, you know, whatever, what is the term? Incomprehensible demoralization. If I was feeling that, then I might say, you know, in all sincerity, I, I don't know. I really don't. But most of the time I was in denial and, and delusion and, um, and, and trying to, you know, because I just couldn't, I couldn't imagine going through life without being able to use and drink. You know, I just, I just didn't, why? Why would anybody want to do that? I mean, that's not living. <laughs> so, um, but I remember thinking that, you know, God, you know, once I, once I started to believe and I didn't believe right away. I didn't want anything to do with God. But I, I just started doing these little stupid prayers. You know, my sponsor had me memorize some prayers. And he told me to pray, to pray at night, pray in the morning. And I started doing that. And I, and I felt better. And I felt like everything's going to be okay, you know. No matter what was going on, how I destroyed my life and how I um, didn't know how I was going to support my, my family, how I was going to pay child support, how I was going to even support myself i was living with my parents you know and depending on them and now I, but i just had this i just knew that that everything's going to be okay you know and uh and i had these friends that i met in the rooms and and I, I just i had i just knew that god god ordained all of this like it had to be because i didn't even want it you know this i didn't want it and here are these all these people that i met who who want to help and they don't want anything in return. You're like, what is that? You know, that I've never met anybody in, I've never had friends like that. And uh, I didn't even think the world worked that way. You know, I didn't, just didn't think it was possible. And then I realized that I'm actually been given a new life. I have a new life. Um, you know, this is different. I've changed. This is totally different than the way I was living before. I, the things that I cared about before, I didn't care about anymore. Now all I wanted to do, I wanted to, I wanted to do AA, I wanted to stay sober, I wanted to work this program, and I wanted to try to help other people. Never, never before. So, um, what a miracle. And then the, the blessings, you know, I, I always, you know, I complain about not having enough of this or enough of that or whatever, One but... I forgot to set the um, timer. Oh, yeah. I probably went over. Did I go over? I don't know. Well, I forgot to set the timer. <laughs> One minute. So, uh, anyway... Um, I just, I love hearing what you had to say and I, I can relate. I, I, I just feel like I'm so far removed from it and I, and I have a hard time remembering it, but uh, you helped me remember, so thanks. My name is Michelle and I'm an alcoholic addict. So the miracles God has done in my life. Well, let's see. I lived on the streets in my addiction on and off the streets for about nine years. Um, I've had a lot of violent trauma happen, you know, and through that, like, God has shown up every time because he has kept me alive, you know, in those places when I should have been dead. And when I was walking around on the streets completely dead inside and ready to die, um, an incident had happened, and I ended up in jail for and getting arrested for two attempted murder charges and put in a cell by myself um, on 23-hour lockdown. And at this time, I didn't know God. Like before, I tried to find him and try to connect with him, but I couldn't until this moment in the cell because I had so much time. <laughs> and I was just so dead inside and desperate to like feel again, you know. And so that's when I started digging into the Bible and reaching out to God and giving everything away that I could to him just so I could be like human again, you know, and I could feel and I could live. I had family that loved me. I have a son that loves me. And I just wanted to be a real person again, you know, and be alive. And so um, that's when my journey started with God. And, you know, from there, he's just stayed with me everywhere I go. And today, like, I have a wonderful job and I'm able to help others. And I have beautiful people in my life. And you know, I'm watching people in my life go through some things I could never imagine going through. And the way they walk through it is just so beautiful. And yeah, that's it. I am David and I am an alcoholic. Hey, David. And Michelle, thank you for uh, 
wonderful. Uh, I'm always enjoyed the, uh, you know, your, your, when you speak. Every time you touch me, you know, and um, you're talking about miracles. And uh, my God, you know, I, I can tell you about miracles, real miracles in my life. After, I, you know, I get into, you know, like the, your friend said, you know, into God, real into God. Finally, God in my heart, God, God all over the place. Uh, you know, when I get into this program, of course, God was not in my mind. That's the last thing I was in my mind. So anyway, you know, in order, in order for me to drive in my driver's license, I had to have glasses. Because I supposed to, you know, be a, a focal. You know, and after that, you know, I get together with a lot of friends, a lot of people that you know. And we get together in, in a place that we call the Miracle Garden. You know, and you know Jose perfectly well, you know. So he talked to, you know, and he's supposed to be, you know, healing people. So he healed me because I don't need no glasses anymore. You know, ever since. I'm telling you. You know, when I go to the eye doctor, he, he doesn't know what the hell happened. I I have it in, in, in paper. You know, and this is what happened. So that's, that is a real miracle in me. And I see around more miracles. And for me, it's thank, no doubt about it, to BBA. It's no doubt in my mind. It's, the, it's how, how, how I really get, you know, my life supposedly together, you know. Because you're talking about being... You know, depending on your mother, until you will tell you something about buying shoes and everything, you know. You were lucky because I went until I was 63, you know, in order for me, you know, to realize what was happening in my life. You know, because I was a bad mother, a bad mother, a bad father, a bad husband, a bad son, a bad son-in-law. You name, you name it, and I have all the bad things. And I thought I was okay, you know, that everybody around me was the one, the bad people, and I was the only right one, ever. You know, for me now, to be a nice husband, you know, and I'm really telling you because I consider myself a good husband now, a good father, a good friend, a good, a good you know, uh, a son-in-law, a good, you know, all-around boss, especially when I work. I enjoy my life. I enjoy going to work like I never did before in my entire life. And it's thanks to this program. And if it does not a miracle for you guys, it is for me. You know, but I waited until I was about 63 and I found this program, you know, because God now has other plans for me. And it's not a doubt in my mind, you know. And now I cannot change these miracles. Miracles happen to me all the time. All the time, time after time after time after time, you know. And I know it's not that in my mind that it's a miracle. I can, t I can go on and on and on and on with this stuff, you know, the things that happen, you know. When I expect in something that, for example, I'm going to Mexico in a, few, in, in a few weeks, it didn't happen because I asked for it. My boss just said, Sir, look, you know, why don't you take some vacation? I didn't expect vacation until, you know, later on. Go, you know. And this will never happen before because, you know, I was thinking about my vacation and all of a sudden my boss came and said, look, you know, take a couple of weeks off, you know. And this is because I'm telling you I'm a better boss, I'm a better everything. And this nothing but, you know, uh, uh, thanks to this program, you know. I don't know how many times I repeat this, this miracles and I don't know how many times I will repeat it again. And I'm telling you, I will never get tired on telling you. I don't care if you believe me. I don't care if you like it. I don't give a shit because there's nothing but the truth. This is what happens to me. I am a miracle. And Michelle, I thank you because I really always, you give me always a lot. Okay, I am Tomas. I'm from El Paso, Texas. I'm an addict. And alcoholic. This is for me my first time I'm in front. I'm come to talk after eight years and a half. I have been sober. My life starts my addiction started when I was very young. I was four thirteen years old. I started like a normal student having 
the love of my family, of my father, my mother. And I, I start my addiction because I think I have a very easy life. I had an easy life and everything starts having everything. The love of my fathers. After the years, I start, I learned, I see, I saw my, my, my life starting backwards. My addiction started getting worse and worse. I started losing, I lose my, my family, I lose my father, I lose my mother, I lose my, my brothers. I did some terrible things in my life with my family. And then all the, the trust of my family was gone. I got married very young. I had my children. And I was the, the worst father to them, given the worst example to, to my, my children, to my ex-wife, to my fathers, to my mother. I tried really hard to do, to start in the programs. I relapsed many times, three times, until, the, until 2013, a miracle came to my life. I asked God so many, many times because he was the only one who can help me to, to, to be where I am now. And everything after December 6, 2013, my, my life start slowly, but every day I start seeing uh, something, a bless, blessing come to my life. I start trying to, trying to fix what was, what was possible. But during the years, I feel so, so proud and the way I try to do everything in either my family, in my work, my work was able to restart again. I was so blessed that never was in an accident, never went to, never something really, really bad happened to me, but because God was with me all the time. But this is really, 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 this, the program, the meetings, the sponsors, all of this is really, and God, of course, make me be where I am now. And this is something that I will always do the rest of my life. So I just want to thank everybody. Thank everybody because I'm alive and I'm, I'm, and I'm blessed to be here. Thank you, thank you very much. Yeah, the miracle for me is the fact that the obsession of drinking has been lifted, you know, and I know for me, the old man, the old person I was, um, I was so selfish, you know. I wanted to drink, I wanted to, I guess I wanted to forget, you know, all that uh, trauma. When I came to AA, all I did was talk about the emotional trauma that my father put us through, right? And and how toxic uh, and dysfunctional the house is and still is, you know? And the crazy part and the miracle is that um, besides the, the job that I do, um, I've been taking a lot of responsibility to help him out, you know? And, and I'm able to do that now with boundaries. I didn't know what boundaries was. I didn't know what counseling was. I will say I was like 26, 27 when I've been married like 22 years now with my wife and I just went to counseling to make excuses and blame and point the finger, you know? So responsibility wasn't something that I was used to. And, um, you know, I, I told my wife I was gonna fix these uh, things at the house and this whole weekend, I was grateful that I was able to do that without making excuses, right? Keeping my word. Uh, you know, even right now, before we came over here, I was like, hey, I was say I was going to finish this. This is the only 30 minutes I have for the week. You know, I mean, that busy I am. So learning how to find balance is one of my struggles. Not overcommitting, you know, and, and the miracle is no matter what, um, I have my therapist and I have my sponsor and I have this program. And 
And then I'm able to sleep at night knowing that I don't have to fix my whole family because my sister's out drinking. She's hell crazy. Talks about suicide. She's thinking of moving to my dad's house. And my dad doesn't want her there. So, again, uh, my son's 24. He drinks, smokes pot. And I don't have to worry about trying to fix him. He'll figure it out later, you know. Before I wanted to save the whole world, I could have six months of writing. I thought I had to save all my friends and my family, you know. So how to say, we do create our own problems, you know. So now I'm more careful what I do. And, um, and I'm just, I had a, anyways, I've been helping somebody in college because that's kind of what I do right now with Cuyamaca College. And I work with formerly incarcerated. And I'm helping all the families that I grew up with and their kids. And I'm, and I'm able to see through conversations, even with the grandma, the guy that I'm helping, my, she will tell me, and I thought they were family with dysfunctional, and she told me how crazy my dad was. And that's how I was like in denial, right? Like being in the in bubble, you know, him breaking TVs, BCRs, chasing my mom with a gun. I'm holding him to the wall, cops showing up. They tackle him in the living room. And, and seeing that, that uh, face that he had, right? How, how crazy he was. And I'm thinking, they were crazy, you know, and that's how crazy we are sometimes is the fact that we don't know any better, you know. So now I do have a better self-awareness and thanks to this program, thanks to God, thanks to everyone and all you. So thank you. Thank you. My name is Jason. I'm a recovering alcoholic and drug addict. Jason. Hi, Jason. Good to be here. Good to see you, sweetheart. I love it. Um, Miracle, I, you're a miracle. Like I, you know, what's cool is is uh, I'm sitting there thinking like the more that the people that I see often come up here and share, the more I get to know you guys. And so then God tells me, well, you gotta get up in there and share so that they can get to know you better. Mm-hmm. So you know, um, <clears throat> miracles in my life. Yeah, I, last night uh, as I was. I do my nightly review and then I have this book. It's, um, my brother gave it to me about four years back. It's called The Life Recovery Bible. Super awesome, right? Um, it coincides step work with scripture. It's like, it's really rad. Um, it's my favorite book, except for the big book. But I don't know, sometimes it might be my favorite book. It's like so powerful to me in my life. Uh, last night I was talking about uh, reading just little sidebars and a couple of things. Um, there's a story about uh, a potter who's making a pot right out of clay he's got that spinning deal and he gets all jacked up and so he smashes it he starts over right and uh, God says if the if the potter can do that with the clay um, and rebuild this pot why don't you think that I can take you in the form of clay and rebuild you right and uh, this referring to the seventh step. And, and also, um, it, as you go down further on the sidebar, it talks about uh, how the clay doesn't talk back to the potter. It doesn't say, hey, look, this is how you're going to build me back, right? Because I've been guilty uh, at times in my life of, as I'm trying to surrender, to be like, wait a minute. But I don't want to be like that. I don't want to be like this. You know, rebuild me this way, you know. And, and I'm sitting there thinking, and, and, you know, a miracle of my life. You know, I'm that guy that used to be too cool for his own skin. And, I, and like, in the past, I would be, like, prejudiced against people like you, right? I, I really would. And today I can sit there and look at you and know that, like, I love you. Like, I truly do. And it's rad. And, uh, you know, one of my character defects is, like, a bad one from my past is um, the opposite sex. And I've been married for 28 years. And, uh, but I feel comfortable and it's like, and God's saying, look, maybe these people in your life, because I I can relate to women and I I respect their emotions and I I respect their honesty. Um, But I've always manipulated that in my life. And I've used it to my own advantage. And um, I feel like I could be in a place where um, it could build real relationships with people safely. So I look forward to that. Um, 
And, uh, you know, another miracle of my life, uh, completing this, just getting through this work and getting to, um, we started this meeting in my garage a, a year ago, two, a year and a half ago, a regular AA meeting, and we started a real meeting. And so we got this real meeting up in Alpine. And a guy, right after I was getting through this chapter seven with the sponsor, this guy comes up to ask me to help him. Like the next day, you know, it was crazy. Just like me, and he's big and tough, and want, and I could just see all of this stuff, and I'm like, okay, God, help me here, you know. And and to me, that's a miracle that um, someone would ask me that. Um, three days later, I'm at the Rite Aid up in Alpine. This was Saturday, and another guy pulls up, and he's like, hey, I look familiar. I look at, well, what's up? And I said, how you doing? And, and I recognized him from a meeting. And he's like, I'm not doing good. And he starts crying. There's a grown man crying in his truck on a Saturday morning, asking me for help. And I'm just like, whoa, dude, like this bong token pill pop and alcoholic who's too cool for everybody going to be here to be of service. And it's super, super rad, right? Um, and so as God is molding my pot, this piece of clay here and, and I'm accepting what's happening. It's, it's really cool, but it's requiring me to be vulnerable. It's requiring me to be honest, open, and it's painful. It's scary. Um, I would be lying if I say I don't question it at times because I do. Um, but I do feel this purpose and, and this new sense of service to other people. So it's awesome. The whole thing's been a miracle to me. So Really glad to see you here tonight. Thank you. Hi, I'm Mike. I'm an addict and an alcoholic. And I've got a miracle story from yesterday. I'm not proud to say that for the third time this year, I've driven away from a gas station with the gas nozzle and pump still in my car. And um, one time's okay, two times isn't as okay. I was devastated, and I wasn't thinking about God, I was just thinking about me, this guy that didn't call me five seconds ago, that should have done everything I wanted. And so then, the car behind me was honking, I didn't know it was so attached. I drove for about a mile, and then I looked in back, my back mirror, and I saw this hose dragging along. And so, I ended up opening my car door, and I picked it up and threw it out on the side of the road. And you know what? I couldn't live with myself. I just could not do it. I went back to this Arco station. I told them what happened. Um, I gave them my number. They called me and said, um, can you tell us where the hose is? And I said, well, I don't have it. Um, it's on the side of the road. But then the owner called me back to say, listen, this happens all the time. We're not going to charge you. Just have an awesome Sunday. That blew me away. I mean, really, when you think about it, because it, it, it meant so much to me that it was the third time and I get so spaced out in my own head all the time that I can't even focus on what I should. But the miracle to me too is this. I'm getting more and more attached to God. Things like under God's care sticks with me all day long. Um, what is God's will for me? I had a third one, but I can't remember it. But all of these little things that we say over and over and over in meetings, they're starting to finally sink in and my life is really getting better. Um, God's my employer. Um, I'll always be taken care of. Um, my sponsors have both been really, really good with saying stuff like that. Financial worries, you'll always be taken care of, and I always have been. So it just, the only way I get really, really cured is if I really stay grounded to God and grow in that direction every single day. And I don't feel like I have to, I feel like I want to, and that's a good thing. Thanks. Thank you, Mike. Hello, I'm Luis, I'm an alcoholic. Michelle, thank you so much for coming in tonight. That was a beautiful share. Um, it's been a little while since we get to connect, and I'm so glad that you're here tonight and that you accepted our invitation to be here. Um, she talked about miracles. You know, if you haven't done this work, you've never gone through this book, um, you know, or you, maybe you don't even believe in God or you, or you have a big problem with God. She mentioned Mike earlier and when... I met Mike, he told me right off the bat, like, I want to do this work, but I, you got to know that I got this big problem with God. And I said, that's okay. Because the truth is, God doesn't have a problem with you. And he's very patient and loving. And he's just waiting with open arms 
for you just to move in just a little closer, one day at a time. And so it says, as we have ceased fighting anything or anyone, even alcohol, on page 84 in the big book of AA, for by this time sanity will have returned. So this makes it clear that the way I've been living has been insane. And Michelle, thank you for sharing, uh, bringing us into what it was like for you before you got here. And, you know, for many of us, like, we're sober, but our lives are still a hot mess, as she shared. Because I don't know how to live. And that was true for me. We seldom be interested in liquor. If tempted, we recoil from a, from a hot flame. We, have, we act sanely and normally, and we will find that this has happened automatically. I mean, this is a promise that is in this book, and I, we can tell you, if, you're, if you stick around, that this is, comes true in our lives if we go through this work. We will see that our new attitude toward liquor has been given us without any thought or effort on our part. So, yeah, I came in with a big attitude problem towards God, towards people, you know, and so, and it's given to me, right? It just comes. That is the miracle of it. The reality is, is that the invitation in this book is that God wants to be your father who has this unconditional unlimited amount of love that he just wants to shower you with grace and love and if you're like me i didn't have that growing up and so i've got this father wound i think i know what love is but i've been chasing the truth is that i've been chasing pleasure this feeling right this transactional thing and i was that was chasing that before alcohol you know and uh but the miracles have come true in my life and they've come true to many of the people in this room and, you know, I haven't shared this story enough, uh, I think only once. And I'll share it today because Michelle was passing by this storage place over here, this March storage on her way up. About three, four years ago, my wife and I separated. And, um, and I was financially just pretty much ruined. Uh, things were already going south. And then I got an inheritance unexpectedly. And uh, that week, well, and then I set up at that storage unit right below. I had this art uh, studio going. And at some point, I knew that the money was going to run out. And God was like, just keep going. Just keep going. Like, I got you. And so then one day I'm at the, over here by the Starbucks and the Panda Express. I'm parked by the Union Bank. And this ladies like just going through her trunk as I park and I look at it I look at her she's in a Cadillac tinted windows I kind of start walking past her but then I really looked and I realized she's homeless like God's giving me these eyes so I can see the invisible homeless that most people do not see so it was like go get her a Panda Express card and come back and just offer it to her so I do that when I come back she's not there anymore and all of a sudden, this little blue car pulls out. And it's her in the little blue car parked next to the Cadillac. And I say to her, excuse me, um, is that your car, like the white one? She goes, yeah, is it in your way? And I said, no, no. I said, uh, I got you this Panda Express card, and I would like to give it to you. And she said, why would you do that? And I said, because Papa told me to get it for you. I call God Papa now. and. And he's in, and I tell her, she's like, she's like, are you Christian? And I was like, yeah. And this is, I'm like new in my walk, faith like this. And I, and she goes, I could really use some Christians in my life right now. And I said, well, we're right here at this church, just right up the hill. Like, you know, and you're, and I, and I'll just wrap it up real quick. And we have this great conversation. Her car's still in the middle of the street. People are honking. They're trying to go all around with us. <laughs> Right? And there's this message that God wants me to share with her, but I'm afraid to give it to her. Because I'm afraid of being rejected. I don't know how she's going to take it. We drive away. I pull into the, to the storage place right below, the smart one. And I pull into the gate, and she's suddenly that little blue car's pulling in too. She's right there, and I'm like, oh my God. And as I was driving up, I was beating myself up because I was like, dang, I didn't give her the message. There she is. She's like sticking out of the car and she's seeing me, we're smiling. And I said, look, I was supposed to give you a message. I didn't give it to you, but I'm going to give it to you now. And I said, 
God wants you to come home. He wants you to come home. And he loves you. And then she just tells me she hasn't been home in years. And so the miracle is I was running away from God. Then I found him here. He restored me. And the miracle is, is that he would then say, now go back out and share the good news with those of people who don't know me yet. Thank you. If you enjoyed today's podcast, we'd love for you to subscribe at eastlakebba.com. You can also help us reach others by spreading the word about our podcast. Thank you for joining us today on the East Lake Big Book Awakening Podcast.